Hey friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast, where we are exploring practical insight for racial justice and social change. I'm your host, Andre Henry, singer, songwriter, and author. And for the past several years, I've been on a serious intellectual quest to understand how do ordinary people work together to change the world. Some of y'all have been on that journey with me. Uh, Thank you so much for being on my email list, for listening to this podcast, and especially our supporters on Patreon. You are helping make this show happen, covering expenses and whatnot. And today... Um, Oh, I almost forgot. The music on today's podcast is brought to you by me. (laughs) And today we have a very special guest. Cole Arthur Riley is here. Cole is the creator of Black Liturgies and also the author of This Here Flesh, Spirituality, Liberation, and the Stories That Make Us. Cole, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Andre. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so, I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, most basic question, you know. Well, no, actually, I want to talk about Black Liturgies, if I could Mm -hmm. ask you about that first, because I feel like this is related to that project in some way. Um, And so could you talk a little bit about your work with Black Liturgies and what made you start it? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Sure. I started Black Liturgies as a project at the end of June of 2020. So it was in the wake of the murders of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and we had the resurfacing of the murders of Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain. And I'd been nav- navigating white-dominated Christian spaces for a while, but in that particular season, I was just tired. I was exhausted and truthfully angry. I I, I tell people, you know, I, Black mm-hmm. liturgies, if anything, was born out of anger um, mm-hmm. and a desire for a kind of spirituality, a kind of spiritual community that was capable of holding my grief and my blackness, you know, in its particularity and not rushing past the the difficult things, and really a community of liberation. And so I, I started Black Liturgies sharing these very brief liturgies, a combination of, you know, quotes from Black literature, poems sometimes, song lyrics sometimes, and connecting them with either a written prayer or a breath prayer or breath practice. Yeah, I started it thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. it would just be kind of this small, intimate community because written prayer doesn't appeal to many people or so I thought. And then it kind of grew. So over the past year and a half, it's really expanded. Um, And I would say a lot of the things that Black liturgies is grounded on, things like Black lament, Black anger, Black rest, mm-hmm. you know, those are the the chapters of the book in this here flesh. So. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so you mentioned it. How did the how did the book come about? And mm-hmm. what what inspired you to you know to kind of develop that into another medium? Mm-hmm. I've always been a writer. It's the identity that I most connect with the most the thing I feel is most true about myself um since I was very little my dad would have us write a lot um he would have us compete and like my my siblings and I compete with like poems or little stories or things like that to get out of chores or if we wanted to go to the park he'd be like all right why don't you jot down a little poem did you write in your journal or something like that so uh, written words was such a big part of my formation and kind of my household spirituality. We weren't, you know, an overtly Christian home or anything like that. Um, 
but stories were very important to us and writing was very important to us. So I've always wanted to write a book. And I say that like, this is a book I would have written if I had never done Black liturgies. Mm-hmm. But Black liturgies afforded me the opportunity because of the platform right. that it developed mm-hmm. really quickly. I mm-hmm. was fortunate to have editors reach out to me and be like, mm-hmm. what's up? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really grateful that now this will hopefully open up um, a like robust literary career for me. Mm, yeah. Yeah. How, how would you say that it differs from the work that you're doing in black liturgies? Um, I would say there's a, I mean, there's so much more of myself in it. You know, mm-hmm. people will DM me on black liturgies and be like, who are you? You know, I, I if I had a dime for how many people thought I was a man, it's like unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. No. Um, I that's surprising in its that's surprising in itself because it doesn't seem like I mean speaking as a black man it doesn't seem like the kind of project a black man would start. Hundred percent. I'm like I truly <laughs> think this is just like the the limited imagination of the patriarchy. Like you can't imagine mm-hmm. something growing this fast and not having a man at the home. I don't know. It's wow. just, also I mean my name is Cole, so I guess that's kind of confusing. But yeah. all that to say, um, people have really desired to see like more of me personally and I've really Mm -hmm. struggled to know like okay how much do I share of myself from the black liturgies account and how much do I try to make this kind of like a community Mm -hmm. and then have a personal page separate because I'm so much more than you know a Christian spirituality and so um yeah it's been really complicated so I, I think I'm a little more um I'm less physically you know, present. My face is less present in the Black Liturgies Project. My stories are less present. Um, and you kind of have to, I don't know, maybe it's more implied knowledge of me than actual knowledge where this mm-hmm. year flush you, I mean, I start with my grandmother, you're getting the stories of three generations in my family. And it's, it's so intimate. These are stories that I've worked really hard to draw out of the people who have come before me. And if I'm honest, I, I did not plan to write this, this book. I, I plan to write this, mm. you know, Christian contemplation book, you know, and it has <laughs> some of that, but mm-hmm. I realized early on my strengths as a writer are in storytelling, you know, because of my mm-hmm. formations. I'm like, I can't, I can't talk about lament without talking about, you know, right. my father's addiction. And I, and I can't talk about dignity without talking about my grandma and the farm she grew up on. And so I, think in in this here flesh people who know me from black liturgies will kind of be surprised how much of myself i'm sharing mm. were you surprised at the at the direction the book was taking because i remember the difference between my where i started my book proposal and i like halfway through writing my first book proposal i was like i do not want to write this book and I had to change the entire proposal, the entire angle, right? So I'm wondering, were you surprised at the direction that the book was taking? hundred um, percent. If anyone listening is a fan of the Enneagram, I, I'm an Enneagram 5, which basically means I'm a really secretive. I'm a very private person. Um, mm-hmm. I have a very small circle. And my writing in the past has been storytelling, but it hasn't mm-hmm. involved a lot of me. So I will tell mm-hmm. other people's stories. And so even when I decided to really hone in on my grandmother and my father, it 
was like halfway through the process where one of my editors was like, well, we need more of you in this. This is supposed to be three generations, but really it's just two because, you know, we barely have any stories <laughs> of you. So I had to go back and like any story in that that is mine, that's not my father's or my grandma's, mm-hmm. you can just know that that was pretty much dragged out of me like like my editors had to work hard to pull those stories out to say like no say more and like you know what were you experiencing and so yeah I was very surprised I think people who know me I say this about black liturgy's followers honestly people that know me are going to be really surprised how much of myself I'm sharing I think yeah I'm sure yeah I love the subtitle and this is honestly what something that um you know, I think about with your work a lot because of my own my own journey. I feel like you, me, Dante, who was on the show before, mm-hmm. you know, we've all had those experiences in white dominated, you know, religious space or spiritual space and uh, know how that can, you know, know how that can affect us and our journeys just as people, how that can form us. My res- My reaction to that <laughs> was I don't believe in anything anymore for a while, mm-hmm. right? And it was a it's been kind of a long and slow journey to even engage spirituality again for myself. But this is like a central part to what you do, which is why I'm really thankful for your work. You know, first off, because mm-hmm. it is another one of those spots where I'm like, okay, spirituality, liberation, they can go together, mm-hmm. you know. And so I'm wondering if you could just speak to like how you see those things working and how you hold those things together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I resonate with what you're, you're saying about feeling like, well, maybe I just don't believe in anything at all. And mm-hmm. I mean, even just this morning, I mm-hmm. said to my spouse, like, what if I'm not Christian by the time this thing comes out? Honestly, I don't, I don't even know. And, and, and like, I, I wake up on a daily basis and I, I'm like, you know, what do I believe about the world? What do I believe about God? I'm constantly interrogating what I think. And I've reached a place in my spirituality where I'm, I'm a little less interested in like belief and how much like belief I'm able to muster on any mm-hmm. given day and, and more interested in just experiencing the stories of spirituality and like, you know, the stories of the garden with Adam and Eve and, you know, um, whether or not it's, this is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Everyone's going to be like, she's not orthodox. I don't it, care. But I like, mean, there's one, one, like the risk is a little bit low here because I don't think most of the folks listening to me are Christian. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Then I can be free. I won't, but, but my point is, it's like, I, I'm, I'm not super concerned with what's true and what's not true in, within spirituality, in the condition of God, because I, I don't think I, I'll ever know. I don't think I have the capacity to know. I don't think humans have the capacity to know. I think we encounter the divine in these fragments mm-hmm. and in these stories. And yeah. so I've really, you know, existing in Christian spaces that are white dominated, it tends to be this narrowing experience where you have to zero in on exactly what you think, exactly what you believe happened. And once I was, you know, kind of liberated from that kind of spirituality and I realized, mm-hmm. you know, the spirituality of black people I was encountering in literature was really expanding. It was, it was about having an imagination for a multitude of things, a multitude of expressions of the divine. And 
that made me more free in my blackness and my personhood just to think, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't need it to be a singular story. I want it to be complicated and I don't yeah. want to understand. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, but I completely agree. I, I wake up most days and I'm like, what is God? Who is God? <laughs> and I have to check myself and say, what's the story? And like, I just happen to be formed in one of the Christian traditions. And so those are the stories right. I am going to go to, you know? Yeah. What I'm thinking of about the way that you were kind of describing kind of like this mystery about the divine, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of people, when we talk about racial justice, you know, which is the cop, you know, the topic of, you know, this this show a lot like I don't think that people understand how the quest how questions about the divine are intrinsically linked into this you know in this conversation you know Mm -hmm. like you know we come from African people very spiritual people you know Mm -hmm. um and I don't think that we understand like because people are having an anti-racism conversation and it's not really decolonial right mm, yep and so it's like, but I I have found in my own journey that what I thought was an anti-racism journey has actually been a decolonizing journey. Mm. And this is all jumbled up, but it's like, there is a part of this, like when we start talking about spirituality, we start talking about the divine. I don't think that people understand the relevance first off to the conversation. And you have a bunch of folks who have a very kind of Western outlook and say like, well, why don't you just throw the whole thing out altogether? Like just be an atheist, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with atheism. You know, I have very close friends that are are atheists. I I considered myself an atheist for a while, you know, and agnostic for a while. I'm wondering if you encounter this conversation, you know, with people Mm -hmm. just like, well, just throw the whole thing away. And even not just with Christianity, but I know that what I experienced too is like, I talked to like people who have a kind of westernized spirituality. So the same spiritual bypassing that I experienced from white evangelicals, I experienced from white people and even some black people who are like, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering if you've encountered that and, you know, how you feel about those conversations. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have. I think there's really something credible in there, you know, that skepticism, that mm-hmm. that, that distrust of like tradition. And mm-hmm. I don't want to use, I don't know, authority, maybe. I I, I guess I get it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've struggled with it, but I found, at least for myself, a lot of my desire to kind of throw it all away, give it up, Mm -hmm. comes from Mm -hmm. a desire to assimilate into white intellectualism, white Mm -hmm. pragmatism, these um, kind of idols of of intellect, of uh, that 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 really whiteness upholds as being smart as being a critical thinker means you tear mm-hmm. everything apart and you leave nothing left and i'm like that's not what kind that's not the that's not the way i want to critique you know my own humanness <laughs> and mm-hmm. so i think for for me i'm i'm willing to 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 stay in the conversation to stay in the conversation of spirituality knowing that like you said I can't talk about the people who came before me and just remove this from the conversation. I can't deny the ways I'm formed by my grandma and my great grandma. And, um, but I think we can, we can do that in a particular way. Like it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be so again, narrow. So I used to say, you know, I wasn't raised in a spiritual home. Like I wasn't raised. Mm -hmm. And then I really started to check myself and say, no, you weren't raised in a, you know, 
church-going Christian home, but your house right. possessed a Black spirituality. Like you watched your grandma sing like stories and myth was really big in my family um, mm-hmm. and like tell it, making up these myths of things that had happened to children. And um, there are things like that that I think we can draw out of the human experience, even if you're not prepared to say like ascribe to a particular religion. I think we all should be asking ourselves, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have a spiritual component to us? Whether you believe that spiritual component is just like memories and emotion, or whether you believe it's something more and um, something that we can't really articulate or find as tangible. But I think regardless, everyone should be asking that question of like, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be in relationship to other people? And Mm -hmm. is there something else besides us? Is there something to this interconnectedness of everything? Mm. And be free to ask those questions as opposed to just subscribing to like, you know, like I said, pragmatism, intellectualism. Let's just like go with, you know, the material. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I think you know what I mean. I do. And when you when you articulated it that way, it, it was like, that's exactly what I was trying to say like this, because I have felt that kind of like a kind of intellectual pressure mm-hmm. to be like, OK, prove that you're a thinking person (laughs) (laughs) and just and just say that whatever you can't see hear taste smell and touch is bullshit right like Mm -hmm. i i have felt that i have felt that pressure and i still think that for me like i am a i am a thinking person in the sense that i need evidence for things right like Mm -hmm. for for things that there can be evidence for right like i and i'm a critical thinker in that way but I also do realize, at least for my, for the way that I see it, and I want to know, I actually want to ask you like how, how you're even defining spirituality, because that's where it's kind of taken me is that like, for me, like there is this aspect of what we're experiencing that is like what uh, Rabbi Joshua Heschel calls the ineffable, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it is mystery, it's wonder, it is that yes. interconnectedness. There is a part of our being that I don't think that we can fully understand. And there's a part of the things that we're suffering and struggling with that actually won't just be solved through changing policies and even changing institutions. There's a part of our common sense that has to change. And I Mm -hmm. think that for me, like it's appropriate to talk about all these things in a sense of spirituality. And I think the kind of colonized spirituality that has dominated so much of our world and so much of our common sense has been preoccupied with certainty having answers, you know, being able to explain everything, you know, Mm -hmm. what my own journey has kind of done is just open up spirituality in general. Right. Mm -hmm. I used to be, I used to be a pastor. Like I used to have like, people used to expect me to have answers answers about Mm -hmm. God, about the afterlife, about the spirits and all this other kind of stuff. And I have found so much freedom in just not knowing things anymore mm-hmm. yes you know? not just because i'm not a pastor but because also i've said like all right that version of colonized spirituality of all the kind of stuff like i just don't subscribe to it anymore and then it opens up the entire world to me in a yes. way that i'll mm-hmm. never be able to explain or understand and i love that but sorry please go ahead no i i absolutely agree and i think it's because supremacy is exhausting you know and mm. i think that's what it is in white dominated Christianity, at least it's, you know, Mm. their, um, 
kind of desire for supremacy, whiteness's desire for supremacy has obscured the spiritual into this like, I'm right, you're wrong. Like, I need to prove myself as higher, as opposed Mm. to, like you said, this expansion and this release. And it's like, you know, there's a reason why people like that are so angry and so like tense. It's because they're so threatened. And mm-hmm. any time I feel that kind of, I don't know, like defensiveness in me over something that I believe, I think like, why are you so threatened? Why do you need to be <laughs> so mm-hmm. right? You know, why do you like, what do you, and I, I really tried to kind of, like you said, decolonize that and say like, I'm not going to be threatened by someone else's liberation if they want to be um, that they're free to think about the divine in that way. I'm not, that doesn't, not going to hurt me if it's not violent towards, you know, um, other people, then mm. let it be kind of let it breathe. And yeah. I, I just think this defensiveness, this like territorial nature of white Christianity um, in so many ways has made us like overly protective of the divine, overly concerned. And you're right. right. Like you just feel so much release when you can just say like, I don't know. And I think there's so much beauty in that too. You know, beauty opens up to us in so many ways when you're willing to just say like, I'm going to let, I'm going to let this be, you know, I don't, I don't need yeah. to know. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Mm. And then you're experiencing the divine as opposed to trying to have your version of the divine be supreme, you know? Mm. What are the resources, thinkers, um, influences, streams, you know, that you draw inspiration from and spiritual insight and nourishment from for your spirituality? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's, not many like Christian current people, <laughs> I would say. Oh, um, but I, I, I think I've been formed tremendously by by Black literature, like I said. So Toni Morrison, um, mm-hmm. Toni Morrison's beloved, just mm-hmm. is the book that has changed me the most. Um, Tony yeah. Cade Bambara, The Salt Eaters, which is an extremely spiritual, you want to talk about Black expansive spirituality. And in a, in a community mm-hmm. context, The Salt Eaters, if anyone's listening, I, w- mm-hmm. I would read that. Completely changed me this year. Zora Neale Hurston, she has these Ms. that she tells, you know, in her, her mm-hmm. work. And I definitely think there's a nod to that in this year of flesh. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I've been um, formed by the storytellers. I think because fiction is rarely trying to tell you what to think. I mean, I love nonfiction as well, but fiction's rarely trying to tell you what to think. It's more so interested in conveying an experience, emotion, mm-hmm. conveying a character, you know, and, and the human experience. And so that has formed me in, in deeply spiritual ways. Mm. I love that. Um, these are not necessarily you know, the kinds of works that people would readily say, okay, this like in Barnes and Noble, right? The books that you named are not in the spirituality section. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what we should be looking for, you know? Well, it's because so many of these spiritual books, that's why, I mean, I, that's why I so appreciate Dante's work, your work, Candace's work. It's because, you know, it's it's a rare moment when you encounter current nonfiction books that aren't so concerned with teaching you, 
you know, mm-hmm. like so many, so much nonfiction. It's just like, I want to teach you. I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach you. And I think what each of us have done in our own way is kind of subvert that and say, you, you think we're going to teach you, but no, right. I'm like, that's not, that's not my purpose. That's not my role. Um, mm. But yeah, fiction really isn't trying to do that. Right. So, so you're safe, you're safe to experience and interpret and say, huh, like, what am I seeing in this character? And uh, yeah, it's just a lot, a lot more freedom, I think. Yeah. I mean, I love the, the the distinction that you pulled out there too. Is like, I'm going to convey an experience to you. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to enter it. Yes. Reflect on it, chew on it, you know, sit with it, you know, and to let it inform you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think all nonfiction writers should read fiction, you know, because I think it helps mm-hmm. us. The, the fiction has something that we as, you know, people who are writing nonfiction desperately need. We need that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I know not everyone loves fiction, but I think I'd die on that hill. No, I wouldn't die on that hill. <laughs> I would just suggest it. Read fiction. It helps. Read I do. I think, I think it helps. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You know, if if for nothing else, just, you know, like you do need you do need the same skills, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you need the same skills as a nonfiction writer you know, especially if you're telling stories. Um, I want to ask you about where you feel like your work is going from here, because I know that like for people who get this book, it's coming out very soon. It's like in a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you've spent, you know, a year or more, you know, working on this, you know. And so like by the time they get the get the book, it's like kind of a snapshot of where you were when you were writing it, you yep. know. Yeah. Um, so where do you feel your work is taking you next? Mm-hmm. I think I, I definitely sense myself being drawn to kind of experience other genres. I mean, it's funny we're talking about fiction. I definitely have an imagination for me entering the fiction realm at some point. But I think sooner than that, I'm I'm really interested in memoir. Mm. I love the I, I love the book that I've written and I'm I'm proud of it. But I think my proudest moments, um, like I said, are in the storytelling. And mm-hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm interested to like just do a memoir that is rooted in, in storytelling. And mm-hmm. um, I can even more so try to decolonize my work away from, you know, what people expect white Christian spiritual people to write. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in taking it a step further. <laughs> and yeah. So, yeah, I hope at least lots and lots more books well um cole it's been so good to have you on the show (laughs) it's good to talk i'm glad to finally be on it yeah yeah we'll have to have you back you know when you publish your next book or whatever project you're working on the the name of the book everyone is this here flesh uh you can get it wherever books are sold i don't know if this is going to be out before it's actually released so regardless you can get it now you can either Mm -hmm. pre-order it right now or you can order it right now And please go do that. All right. Um, Thanks so much for joining us again. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and you haven't already, please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. Also, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts helps us get more ears and minds. You can find all the links in the show notes for today's guest, as well as Andre's newsletter, Patreon, and book. 
You can connect with Andre on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheAndreHenry. That's all for this episode of the Hope and Hard Pills podcast. We'll see you next time.